Songo looked worried. I don't see how, he said. I flew all round the farmhouse looking for a way in, but all the doors and windows were shut. Never mind, said Henrietta. Just tell me if there's somewhere near the farmhouse we could hide for the night. What? All of you? Yes, it has to be somewhere where we can see the farmer, but he can't see us. Songo thought for a minute. I know, he said. There's a big haystack in the field next to the house. Maybe you could hollow it out and hide in there. I felt I was being left behind. But we don't all need to go, surely, I asked. Yes, ma'am, we do, said Henrietta. As soon as you and I have rescued Horace, we all need to be ready to run. To run where? Somewhere, anywhere, but not back to the barn. We can't stay here any longer. It's too dangerous. There's some woods across the road from the farm. Maybe you could go there, suggested Swinburne. But I don't want you to go, said Songo. If you do, I'm, not, I'm going with you. No, said Swoop, gently but firmly, you're coming to Africa with us. Remember, the woods would be too cold for you in the winter. But how are we going to rescue Horace, I asked Henrietta. Don't worry, Mum, I'm working on it, was all she would say. What on earth is she planning? And what's the farmer planning to do with Horace? Whatever it is, we must stop him. Thursday. Why did I ever complain about the spikes on my front paws? I thought they were pretty useless weapons, but today has proved me wrong. Today has also proved what a star Henrietta can be. Yes, she's strong-willed. Yes, she's disobedient. Yes, she can be pretty rude to me. But when it comes to planning a rescue operation, you couldn't beat her. The babies enjoyed hollowing a tunnel through the haystack and snuggling inside it. The swallows tidied up the hay we'd scooped out. They built some of it into a kind of screen at the front of the tunnel so that no one could see us. The screen of hay was quite thin though and we could see out. We could see the farmhouse where the farmer lives, the tractor shed where the red tractosaurus lives and the dreaded car which stood outside. Actually the car didn't look too scary. It was a lot smaller than the tractosaurus. But Swinburne says it can run even faster than me when the farm is inside it. We tried to sleep while the swallows kept watch. Early in the morning, the farmer came out of his house, took the tractosaurus out of the shed and drove off to the fields. He's out of sight, twitted Swinburne. Off we go, Mum, said Henrietta. Two of us crept out of the haystack. The others wanted to come too, but we wouldn't let them. It was too risky. Henrietta and I trotted over to the car, which was glinting blue in the new daylight. Henrietta's eyes glinted too when she had a close look at the tyres. No sweat, she said. One, two, three, jab. And she hit out at a front tyre with both front paws. I watched in horrified fascination, almost expecting the car to hit back. But it kept quite still. Come on, Mum, this is fun, said Henrietta. I couldn't let her see I was half afraid of the car, so I lashed out at the other front tyre. It was almost satisfying to feel my two spikes puncture the black rubber. I fancied I could hear a faint hiss. Keep going, Henrietta encouraged me. Before long, we had jabbed all four tyres all over. Then it was back to our haystack cave to wait for the farmer's return. Once again, the swallows sealed the entrance with hay. The babies liked being in a house they could eat, but I was too nervous to nibble at the hay. 
I felt quite sick when I peeped out and saw the farmer returning on foot this time and going inside the farmhouse. I felt sicker still when he came out again. He was carrying an arch-shaped basket with bars across the front. And cowering inside the basket, his eyes wide with fear was my little Horace. No, stop, I cried. I would have charged out of a haystack and attacked the farmer, but Henrietta restrained me. Stick to the plan, Mum, she said urgently. The farmer put the back basket down on the seat beside him and started up the car. It made a loud noise and, to my horror, began to move forward. It's all right, Mum, said Henrietta, sensing that I was again on the point of rushing out of the haystack. And sure enough, the car stopped and we heard the farmer cursing and muttering. He got out of the car and inspected the tires. He cursed a lot louder then and stormed off into the house. Songo flew to the window to spy on him. Now, said Henrietta, I did race out of the haystack then and ran to the driver's door of the car. It was open. I leapt inside and Henrietta leapt after me. Mum, squeaked Horace, pressing his nose against the bars of his basket. There was no time to talk to him. I needed my mouth for something else. Songo had explained to me how the bars were fixed to the basket with two things called leather straps, and I knew what to do. Gnaw. I set to work on one of the straps while Henrietta gnawed away at the other one. Songo fluttered to the car door. You're all right, still, he said. The farmer's talking to someone on the telephone. I gnawed for all I was worth. The leather was quite tough, I found out afterwards. It's made from animal skin, horrible thought. But my teeth were tougher. I gnawed through my strap and finished off Henrietta's one. Then I hooked the back bar door open and out crept Horace. He snuggled up to me on the car seat and I could feel him trembling. No time for cuddles, Henrietta warned us, and at the same time we heard a shrill twit-twit, which was the swallow's warning call. The farmer was coming out of his house. Run, hissed Henrietta. We leapt out of the car and ran towards the haystack, Henrietta leading the way. I followed her with Horace. He was so slow. Had the farmer seen us or not? I didn't turn round to find out. We reached the haystack and dived inside. Only then did I allow myself to turn round and peep out. The farmer couldn't have seen us. I'd have heard his feet chasing after us if he had. But he had seen us. He was standing by the car, holding the empty basket and staring goggle-eyed at the haystack. He looked as if he was frozen to the spot. He unfroze pretty quickly, though, and started to run our way. He wasn't what I'd called fast, but then neither was Horace. Back door, ordered Henrietta. We dug our tunnel right through to the other side of the haystack, and we now jostled each other to escape that way. Henrietta quickly overtook the others and led the way. Horace and I were lagging behind, and this time I could hear the farmer's feet behind us. What was Henrietta up to? We couldn't go to the wood after all. At least not the most direct way. It would mean running back past the farmer. I was soon to find out. We rounded a hedge, and there, in the middle of the next field, stood the red Tractosaurus. Henrietta was bounding towards it, the other babies hot on her heels. Horace and I were way behind, and the farmer was hot on our heels. I could hear him panting now. Any second, and he'd make a grab for one of us. This is it, I thought. I'd have to turn round and fight. But what was this I could hear? A tremendous twittering was drowning out the farmer's panting. I sneaked a glance over my shoulder. The farmer had stopped running. He stood still, surrounded by a cloud of swallows. They were circling him, swooping and flittering, twittering madly. The farmer was flapping his front paws, trying to beat them off. Mum, Horace, hurry up! Henrietta's voice sounded different, as if she was speaking through clenched teeth. I looked ahead again and saw that Henrietta was actually in the red tractosaurus, behind the steering wheel. 
In her mouth was a key. The other babies were clamouring in and clustering round her. What were they up to? There was no time to wonder. Horace managed a burst of speed and I followed him. Two of the other babies reached down and helped Horace up onto the cactosaurus. I leapt on behind him. Henrietta slotted the key into a hole beside the wheel. She'd practiced this often enough on the rusty tractosaurus in the barn, but this time it was different. The red tractosaurus let out a deep growl, scaring me out of my wits. Handbrake off, Hardy. Step on the gas, Hermia. Henrietta was giving orders to two of the other babies. The tractosaurus lurched off and moved forward. We were off. The things I remember most about that scary bumpy journey are sounds. I think I must have closed my eyes in fright because I don't remember any sights at all. I could hear the tractosaurus's roar, the farmer's shouts and curses, and the excited twittering of the swallows. And then there was another sound, an alarmed quacking, which I just had time to recognise as the quackosaurus's noise before there came the most terrifying sound of all. A loud splash. H-Day. Yes, you read it right. H-Day. At last, I have a day named after me. And I didn't think I'd live to see another day, any sort of day. Not when I heard that splash yesterday and realised what had happened. Henrietta had driven the tractosaurus into the pond. The babies couldn't swim, not as far as I knew anyway. I could a bit, but I certainly wasn't going to save myself and let them drown. But perhaps you've guessed what actually happened. It was like the time I was being chased by Meg, only in reverse. We sank down and down, tractosaurus and babies and all, without needing to breathe. Then it was round a corner and up, 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 and there we were, still inside the tractosaurus, but no longer in the pond or even on the farm. No, we were back home. Of course, I didn't realise this at first, as my eyes were still closed. That is, until I heard Henrietta squeal, Look, a megalosaurus. I opened them then. It was, too, and I could swear it was the same one that had chased me into the puddle. But this time he didn't look in the mood for doing any chasing. I'd never seen such an expression of terror, except perhaps on the cat's face back in the barn. I'm sure Meg didn't recognise me. He obviously thought that babies and I were all part of the terrifying tractosaurus. After him, shouted Henrietta, whistle at the wheel. The babies in charge of the other controls obeyed her, and the tractosaurus lurched noisily forward again. Meg ran for his life. Actually, he wasn't in danger, as the tractosaurus isn't all that fast, but he wasn't taking any chances. Soon he was just a blob in the swampy distance. We carried on for a minute or two, till I spotted the most wonderful patch of horse tails. Henrietta parked the tractosaurus by some tall ferns, and we all bounded out. I can't tell you how delicious that first mouthful of horsetails tasted after so many weeks of hay and grass. The babies obviously agreed. Horace in particular was tucking in with a speed and enjoyment I'd never seen before. I could almost see him putting on weight. We were munching away so blissfully that we didn't hear triceratops lumbering up behind us. Those are my horsetails, hipsy-wipsy, she growled, all three horns lowered. I was about to peer off, but Henrietta, cool as a cucumber, whatever that is, I picked up that expression from Swinburne, answered, share and share alike, try. After all, we're sharing with our friend here, holding back a fern to reveal the tractosaurus in all its glory. One glance was enough for try. She was off, 
so silly armour plated frill quivering in terror. All brawn and no brain came a voice which I was sure I recognised. I turned and saw a familiar head rearing out of a hollow in the swamp. Well, Edge, aren't you going to introduce me to your new friend? It was my old friend, Youth, and clustered round her were a dozen babies, each with a miniature club at the end of its tail. My own babies were green with envy. Well, they were green already, but you know what I mean. They all wanted clubs too, but Youth's babes seemed to think that the Tractosaurus was better than any number of clubs and begged to be taken for a ride. So Youth and I conducted a guided tour of the swamp. Just a short one though, said Henrietta, we don't want to run out of diesel. We passed the place where my last lot of eggs had been eaten by the Compsognathi after I'd fled from T-Rex. We even saw T-Rex, but as soon as he saw us, he ran a mile. Oh, it's so good to be home, to have all 13 babies alive. If you ask me, 13 is a lucky number, not an unlucky one, like swoops it. And to have our own bright red metal armour, the Tractosaurus. I don't need to worry about Horace anymore. Talking of Horace, he's turning out to be a wonderful storyteller. This evening, Youth and her baby sat and listened far for hours to his tales about the farmer and the cat basket and, of course, the swallows. We do miss the swallows, but we wouldn't have seen much more of them. They're probably on their way to Africa by now. Perhaps they'll tell stories about us to the other birds and animals they meet there. It's sad to think we'll never see them again, I said to Henrietta today, after all the others have gone to sleep. Henrietta just gave me a funny look. They're coming back, you know, she said. They only stay in Africa for half the year, and we'll be needing more diesel. I have a feeling that in half a year's time, Henrietta will be visiting a certain puddle. I wish I could stop her, but some children just have to go their own way. That's one thing I've learnt about being a mother. The end of the dinosaur's diary. Swinburne's and Swoop's babies learned how to fly today. Swinburne is very proud of them, but Swoop seems a little bit nervous. I think it's still partly me she's nervous of. In her head she knows I'm harmless, but in her heart she's still half afraid that I plan to attack her babies like the cat did last year. What sort of creature is this dreaded catasaurus? I assume that's what cat is short for. I imagine a cross between T-Rex and Megalosaurus. The last baby swallow still sits in the nest going all day long and being fed beakfuls of flies. I hope my babies will be a bit quieter and not so greedy. Oh, I can't wait for them to be born. Wednesday. Today is named after someone called Woden, who I gather is the god of farming. Apparently this place is called a farm. So I suppose that's not so silly as some of their names for days. I've seen a cat at last. What a surprise. She's no bigger than me. But the swallows are all terrified of her, and I must say there is something scary about her glinting green eyes and sharp-looking claws. I crouched on my straw watching her as she crouched on the floor watching the swallows. They were zipping in and out on their fly-catching expeditions. Every time a swallow flew a bit low, a 
cat would raise her back end and wiggle it, ready to pounce. Once or twice she did pounce, but the swallows, even the baby ones, were too quick for her. She'd better not try pouncing on my babies when they're born. Thursday. This day is named after the god of thunder. Today there was a thunderstorm, a really dramatic one. Something else dramatic happened too. I was watching Swinburne and Swoop teaching their last baby how to fly when the sky grew dark. The swallows took no notice. They went on saying, one, two, three, jump. And the baby perched on the edge of the nest. Kept on saying, not quite yet. Maybe the first flash of lightning dazzled the baby swallow. Or maybe the first thunderclap startled him into losing his balance. The next three things happened as quickly as another flash of lightning. The baby bird fell out of the nest, the cat streaked into the barn and seized him in her mouth and I rushed out of the junk corner and charged at the cat. It was instinct. I didn't have time to plan it or to feel afraid, but the cat got the fright of her life. When she spun round and saw me, her fur stood on end and her green eyes widened as if she'd seen a ghost. She dropped the baby swallow and tore out of the barn in another blinding flash of lightning. I raced after her, suddenly enjoying myself tremendously. Over the short green plants, I chased her and round the pond, startling the quackosaurs. I was so close behind her that I could have caught her tail in my mouth, but I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to make sure she stayed really frightened so that she wouldn't think about sneaking back into the barn. What a change this was. Me, gentle little hypsilophilin chasing after someone instead of being chased the sky flashed and crashed and the rain came pelting down drenching us both but i didn't mind on and on we ran we only stopped when we reached a tree the cat shinned up up it and i stood at the bottom glaring at her as fiercely as i knew how as far as i know she's still there too scared to come down when I got back to the barn, I was given the welcome of my life. The swallows flew round me in circles, congratulating me and offering me flies, which I politely refused. I can't think of anything more disgusting. Swinburne promised he would never laugh at me again, and I pretended to believe him. The rescued baby, who'd got over his shock, fluttered over and perched on my head. I think I can fly now, he said. But please, please, will you teach me how to run like you? But the most delighted swallow of all was Swoop. Thank you, thank you, you saved my baby, she kept twittering. Suddenly, I remembered the time that you for back home and saved my life. Don't mention it, old girl, I said to Swoop. You do the same for me. Friday, several weeks later. This day is named after Frigga, the goddess of love, and that makes sense to me today because I'm bursting with love myself. Can you guess who for? There's a clue. There are 13 of them. Yes, my new babies. They hatched out this morning. I can't get over how tiny they are, right to, down to their sweet little toenails and the miniature spikes on their front paws. They're a lovely brownie-green colour. Well, the same colour as me, actually. And they all seem to love eating hay. Oh, I'm so happy. I've chosen names for all the babies. The girls are Henrietta, she's the biggest one, Herbie, Hilda, Hannah, Hetty, Holly and Hope. The boys are Hardy, Humphrey, Hector, Howard, Hugh, and Horace. Horace is quite a bit smaller than all the others, but just as adorable. Swinburne and Swoop came to admire the new arrivals, although I'm not sure if admire is quite the right word. They made all the right noises, but Swoop said, They're very nice, H. 
but what a shame they don't have head feathers. What a horrible thought. My babies are just perfect the way they are. Saturday. This day is named after yet another god, one called Saturn, who went around eating his own children. It makes me shiver to think of it. My own children are only a day old, but already they're romping around like nobody's business. I'm so scared that the farmer will discover them. Today I had another visitor, the baby swallow I rescued, who's had a crush on me ever since. He's called Songo, after a place in Africa where the swallows spend every winter. Songo said it would soon be time for them to go there. Will you come with us, Edge? Please, please. You can bring the babies if you like. But that's impossible. Apparently Africa is thousands of miles away, across a sea. Sunday, a week later. Sorry about another gap, but looking after the babies has been a full-time job. They've now learned to climb the stairs. All except one of them, little Horace. To tell the truth, I'm a bit worried about Horace. Horace, as well as being so small, he's much slower than the others. The most advanced baby is Henrietta. In fact, I'm convinced she's a genius. Henrietta is fascinated by the controls of the tractosaurus. Today, when she was up in the hayloft, she discovered a little rusty object which Swinburne told her was the starting key. She immediately took it downstairs in her mouth, poked it into a hole in the tractosaurus, and started wiggling it about. Of course, the tractosaurus didn't start, thank goodness, because it's old and broken. When I told Henrietta about the other tractosaurus, the big red one that the farmer drives, her eyes grew round with longing, but I told her she must never, never go anywhere near it. I don't think she was taking a blind bit of notice. All she said was, stop calling it a tractosaurus, mum, it's a tractor. You're so old-fashioned. Oh, it's so hard being a mother. I want so desperately to protect all 13 of them, but they're getting more adventurous every day. Monday. We're just about to set out on a big adventure. We're going out to eat grass. That's the name of the short green plant that's so common here. The babies have been guzzling the hay in the barn at an alarming rate. They can't carry on like that, or the farmer will notice and get suspicious. So we're going to go out and graze at night when the farmer isn't around. We'll have to be back in the barn before daylight. The babies are all very excited. I can't help feeling scared, but I mustn't let them see that. The swallows have told me that there's some nighttime hunters, creatures called owls and foxes. But apparently they're quite small, nothing like T-Rex or Meg. If we all stick together in a herd, we should be safe. Tuesday. The grazing expedition was a success. It was a beautiful night with a full moon, just like the one that shines over the swamp back home. The only other animals we met were some white woolly ones, which ran away from us, making a silly bleating noise. <laughs> the babies were quite good about sticking together, all except Henrietta, who kept trying to wander off in search of the red tractosaurus. I told her off, and she answered, Stop nagging, Mum. But when I told her that the farmer locks it up at night, she believed me and gave up. As for the grass, the babies are potty about it and can't wait to go out again tonight. If you'd like grass, you should try horsetails, I told them once we were back in the barn. Of oh, course, that lives the usual cries of, Tell us about horsetails, tell us about T-Rex, tell us about Triceratops. They love to hear stories about the swamp and so do the swallows. By far the favourite story is the one about youth whacking T-Rex with a club at the end of her tail. I want to meet you, said Henrietta. Can't we go back there, Mum? Oh, please. I don't know, I said. Oh, 
go on, go on, say yes, don't be so mean. Henrietta went on and on. I'm sure I never pestered my mother like that. When I told her there weren't any tractosauruses in the swamp there, she eventually shut up. If you ever do go, I want to go with you, said Songo, the baby swallow, from his usual place on the top of my head. He'd been sitting there listening to the stories. Don't be silly, Swoop told him. You're coming to Africa with us next week. I hadn't realised the swallows were going so soon. We'll all miss them. I wonder if we'll still be here when they get back next spring. Can't stay here forever. The farmer would be bound to discover us, and then what? Swinburne has told me about a horrible place called the zoo where animals are kept in cages and people come and stare at them. I dread that happening to us. But how will they get back to the swamp? It would have been such a good idea anyway. I can't bear the thought of any of my babies being caught by T-Rex or Meg. Poor little Horace is still very small and slow. It would be different if only we had some good weapons or armour like Try or Youth do. But all we've got are our useless thumb spikes. Oh, the worry of it all. Wednesday. Disaster. Disaster. I'm one baby short. Yes, one of my precious little ones has been caught by the farmer. I blame myself that it all happened because Henrietta was so determined to see the red tractosaurus. She'd been in a strange mood all night. While the rest of us were grazing, she spent a lot of time collecting sheep's wool from the hedges. The sheep are the silly white creatures. Don't be silly, you can't eat that, I told her, but she just ignored me. When it was time to go round and round up the babies and go back to the barn, I noticed we were one short. Henrietta wasn't there. I called her, but there was no answer. The sun was rising and it was going to be a lovely day. Swinburne had told us that around this time of year, the farmer would be starting work extra early to begin on something called the harvest, which meant cutting down loads of plants. Any minute now, he'd be out in the fields. It wasn't difficult to guess what Henriette was up to. She must have sneaked off to hide and catch a glimpse of the famous red tractosaurus that she couldn't get out of her mind. I felt torn. I didn't want to keep the others out a minute longer. We'd wandered quite away from the barn and it would take longer than usual to get back, especially for little Horace. Perhaps the sensible thing to do would be to go back to the barn with them, but I couldn't bear to leave Henrietta alone and in danger. You run back, I told the others. You know the way to the barn. I'll look for Henrietta. It didn't take very long to find her. It was the sheep that gave away a hiding place. A lot of them were clustered in the corner of the field, bleating extra loudly. I went over to investigate. They didn't run away. They've got used to us now. They seemed much more interested in one of the lambs, a rather strange, patchy-looking one. Wait a second. That wasn't a lamb at all. In between the patches of wool... I could see brownie-green skin, skin that I recognised, dinosaur skin. Henrietta, I said. Oh, Mum, why do you have to spoil everything, said Henrietta. She'd rolled herself in some mud and then plastered herself with the sheep's wool that she'd been collecting. What on earth did you do that for, I asked. So the farmer won't spot me, of course, said Henrietta. Stupid, Mum, though you seem to think so. I must see the red tractor, I must, I must. It's coming now, said one of the sheep. And sure enough, I could hear in the distance a dreadful roar that had scared me so much the day I arrived here. The red tractosaurus was out, and it was coming our way. Quick, Henrietta, run, I said. But Henrietta wouldn't, and I realised there was more chance that we'd be spotted if we did run. The farmer probably wouldn't notice Henrietta surrounded by sheep and covered in wool, 
I was in more danger of being seen than she was. But Henrietta ordered the sheep to cluster round me. She seemed to have quite a way with them. The noise grew louder. I crouched down and prayed. I was blending in the grass with the big red beast. Yes, I know it's not a beast, really, but I can't stop thinking of it as one. came roaring past us. The farmer was sitting inside it, dressed in his strange fluffy skin, sorry, clothes, holding the steering wheel and singing a song. Henrietta was transfixed. It's wonderful, she said. Oh, how I'd love to drive it. She sighed with longing. As for me, I sighed too with relief. But relief was not what I should have been feeling as I was soon to find out. When we returned to the barn, we were greeted by eleven anxious babies. Yes, eleven, not twelve. They were still all talking at once. Horace, he was so slow. He couldn't keep up. He still hasn't got back. He must be lost or hurt. But Horace wasn't lost or hurt. I know that now because the swallows organised a search party. It was little Songo who brought back the terrible news. Horace is in the farmhouse, he told us. I looked through the window. He's in a sort of basket with bars. That sounds like the cat basket, said Swinburne knowledgeably. At that moment, everything started spinning round and my knees gave way. The next thing I knew, I was lying on the barn floor covered in swallows who were fanning me with their wings. Little Songo, perched on my head, was fanning up a hurricane. My own babies were gathered round anxiously. You fainted, Mum, Henrietta told me, but you'll be fine and so will Horace. We're going to rescue him. But why is he in the cat basket, I asked. Is the farmer going to feed him to the cat? No, said Swinburne, usually laughs at my mistakes, but thinks we're too serious. But maybe he's planning to take him to the vet. Songo, I want you to fly straight back to the farmhouse and find out all you can. Watch what the farmer does and listen to anything he says. What's a vet? I asked faintly when Songo had flown off. Is it a kind of zoo? No, the vet's a person who knows a lot about animals and looks after them when they're ill, Swinburne told me. Sometimes he comes to the farm. I saw him sticking a needle into one of the sheep once. That sounded dreadful, but I knew that even worse things could happen to animals. They could be eaten or locked up. I wanted to charge the farmhouse there and then and defend my baby, but Swift talked me out of it. I know just how you feel, my dear, she said, but it wouldn't be wise. Wait till our songer gets back with some more news and we then we can decide what to do. So we waited and waited. It was getting dark by the time Songo flew into the barn and back onto my head. Horace is all right so far, he told us, but I heard the farmer talking to someone on the telephone, whatever that is. He's planning to take Horace somewhere in the car tomorrow. Do you know at what time? Swinburne asked. Yes, half past eleven. He said that would be a good time to take a break from the harvesting. What's a car? I asked and was horrified to learn that it was something like a tractosaurus, but much faster. Does it have tyres? Henrietta asked, and her eyes lit up when she learned that it did. I turned on her then. How can you be getting all excited about a machine at a time like this? I said to her. Don't you realise that your little brother's life's in danger? And then, perhaps unfairly, I added, and what's more, you've got him into the danger. Yes, said Henrietta, and I'm going to get him out of it. Songo looked worried. I don't see how, he said. I flew all round the farmhouse looking for a way in, but all the doors and windows were shut. We'll have a little break. Thank you.